0: You're listening to The Extra Point Podcast. During this podcast, we will dive deeper in our Sunday teaching and share practical next steps for your faith journey. Now, let's kick off The Extra Point. Welcome to The Extra Point. I'm Cheryl Ross, The Next Steps and Discipleship pastor here at Southridge Church, and I have our lead pastor, Scott Beha, with me. Today, and we're going to be sharing a little bit more from his sermon series, Not So Blind Faith. And this past week, you talked about hypocrisy among Christians and the church and how um, we should just really own up to it. And so you kicked off kind of sharing about how it's been said that there are two main reasons that people are not Christians, or yes, that first they've never met a christian and second they have met a christian so what is all of that about and what should we really take to heart and understand from that
1: yeah i've heard that quote multiple times and it always just sticks with me because i I think of first those that have never met a christian so no one to share with them the good news that what a sad thing that that just um shows the need in the church for mission work and more people to be called um to mission work and to to go and to reach unreached people groups, the second part is probably even more sad that there are people that have encountered someone that knows the gospel message and yet has not lived out their life in accordance with it in a way that would be attractive to others and so it's really sad to me to think that Christians can probably be the biggest hindrance to other people coming to faith. Mm-hmm. I mean, we wouldn't have the need for people to go out and find outlandish theories to make sense of life if those two billion people that claim to be Christians would live like Christians, the world would be... It would be so evident. The truth of Christianity would be so evident, even apart from all the stuff that I've shared in this series. I mean, I just couldn't imagine two billion people actually living faithful to jesus Uh would make a world of a difference um in people being able to they wouldn't go and try to undermine it because there wouldn't be any need to undermine it they would see it as a good thing right but so often christian behavior and the way that christians have you know things that they have done historically things that even our neighbors have done even things that i have done i'm not innocent in -hmm. this either like everybody has a bad day or everybody has a bad month or for some, maybe you've had a bad five years. I don't know. But it, it, it's sad to me that even though there are ways that I could come to understand why Christian behavior is what it is, it's still sad to me that sometimes that's a hindrance to people coming to faith.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So now let's talk a little bit more about some of the terrible things that people have done in the name of Christ or in the name of God that we have seen throughout history. I know um, you briefly touched about it, about some atroc- atrocities that we've seen and things like that, but let's get into that a little bit and share and talk a little bit more about some of those.
1: Yeah, so uh, probably the big three that get that gets brought up a lot are the Crusades, the Inquisition, and witch hunts, um, which I will say largely have been misrepresented and blown way out of proportion when people say that this represents millions and millions and millions of lives lost. Um, Mm -hmm. A a lot of times that's not based on any historical facts or anything like that. Mark Clark really gets into some of those numbers in his book, The Problem of God. But even without sitting here debating the numbers, um, there is misinformation surrounding some of that, especially in regards to something like the Crusades. The Crusades was a political, um, it was a political war. They were political wars. They, they weren't religious wars. Um, skeptics and atheists and opponents of Christianity want to label them as Christian wars or, you know, atrocities by religious people, which what what you had was a Christian empire <laughs> um with political aspirations that were doing things completely contrary to the teachings of Christ, which is why we talked about on Sunday like the validity of the Christian message is not in people's adherence to it, but rather in what it actually teaches, mm-hmm. um, first and foremost, before we look at other people. And so, for the fact that the Crusaders raped and pillaged their way across Europe um, under the banner of a cross does not mean that that is what Christianity is all about. That means, at least for those folks, either they were part of a nation um, that you know said that it was Christian and maybe they themselves weren't, or, second off, maybe they were Christians and just did not understand the fundamental teachings of this religion. Um, either way you you re- we really shouldn't talk historically of the crusades as mm-hmm. religious holy wars cuz that's really not what it was these were political wars um first and foremost when you come to something like the witch burnings you know um the numbers got way blown out of proportion when it comes to something like the Salem witch trials mark mm-hmm. clark cites in his book the number was probably like 20 to 25 people um, that were killed in that which I'm, and I'm not saying that that's not a big deal. That's a horrible blight right. on the resume of uh, Christianity. Mm-hmm. As any time that someone that claims the name of Christ fails, it is a horrible, horrible mark. It's not to be excused. Right. I'm I'm making that point the same that Mark Clark makes in his book because it has gotten so blown out of proportion where we're mm-hmm. saying, oh, it's way more than that. It's wh- Look, one life that was lost in the witch hunts would be one too many mm-hmm. if it was said to be done by Christians. But we do have to make sure that we have our facts correct, first and foremost, on that. And so there's things historically people have done um, that they they said that they were Christians. And, mm-hmm. and maybe they were, maybe they weren't. Their actions would, a lot of times, not look very Christian um, mm-hmm. in those moments. But... <clears throat> We need to own that. We don't need to try to argue it away, try to act like these things didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Again, if one life was taken by someone who claims the name of Christ, that's one too many, mm-hmm. right? So all these nutcases that have bombed abortion clinics yeah. because they're pro-life. I mean, how, that, how those people cannot see the irony right. in bringing about mm-hmm. death and destruction when your worldview says that you are pro-life is ridiculous to me. Mm-hmm. But to try to fasten that that to the whole of Christianity and say, "Well, this is this is the problem with religion," that's that's just not the case. That was that person went out and did something that was very unChrist-like. Mm-hmm. Christ was upset with it. We're upset with it. We don't agree with it. So just because people that claim the name of Christ have done atrocities in the past, does not mean that they got that from the teachings. You can't look at the teachings of Jesus and come to the idea that he is okay with the Crusades or the Inquisitions or with witch burnings or anything like that. It just means that the people that were trying to follow him either weren't really Christians or they did not understand the the central tenets and had been misled um, by people that were abusing the religion and took it out of its original intent.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So now you shared also about how the church is filled with people who aren't really Christians who maybe think they are but aren't and one of the things that you shared was something that Jesus said but it's also a true reality that we need to realize as well and um, I remember we read a book on staff called The Unsaved Christian which was phenomenal we took a lot of great points from but I was reminded of that when you shared about this point in your teaching. And, um, some people could hear some of that and maybe think like, well, am I really saved? Like, how do I know I'm saved? And think things like that. So can you elaborate a little bit more about that point and how, um, share how someone can know if they are a Christian and what, like what it truly means to be a Christian?
1: Yeah, this is, this is a hard one because I mean, I get, I get this point straight from the teaching of Jesus in Matthew Mm -hmm. chapter seven, but whether or not someone is saved or not is not something that I'm privy Mm -hmm. to knowing. Right. Right. So people in the church have historically been like, well, I mean, you can tell a fruit by, you know, a tree by its fruit. Yes, but you can also fake fruit. Like I've done a sermon Mm -hmm. before where like I duct taped fruit (laughs) onto a tree because for a lot of people, that's what they do. Like they get saved and so they'll stop doing a lot of the outward or or they'll say that they got saved and they'll stop cussing and they'll go to church once or twice a month and they'll stop drinking or they'll give up like these things that they think they're supposed to do, but largely are unchanged, mm-hmm. passed out. Like if something bad happens in their life, you know, they're ready to fight, backstab, lie, gossip, um, just like, so it's, it's. You can fake fruit, which is why, mm-hmm. yes, Jesus says you'll know a, a tree by its fruit. But religious people have gotten really good at faking fruit. So mm-hmm. that becomes a, a hard game for us to play like, well, I don't know. Are you really saved? or you not? That's just not something that I can speak to. That's something that every person has to decide for themselves. Now, here's what Jesus says in Matthew 7. Is true of those that really got saved. He says, "Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter." Now, does Jesus think that people will do the will of the Father perfectly if they're saved? No, I don't think that's consistent mm-hmm. um, with what we're with what the Bible teaches in regards to that. But they definitely do the will of the Father. You know, the vast majority of the time. That's what they're striving to do. And so the way that you can really tell whether or not you got saved or not is do you have an increasing desire to do the will of the Father? Again, I talked about on Sunday, like, we do not think people that go to the altar and get saved walk out of this building and no longer have the issues that they had when they walked in. You accept Christ, and let's say that you're, you know, you're sleeping with someone that you're not married to. I don't know that that's something that immediately, like, when you walk out, maybe you're living together. That's a difficult mm-hmm. situation. Maybe you already got kids together. That's a really difficult situation mm-hmm. that you're going to have to lean on the Holy Spirit to figure out how, how how do I how do I walk out of out of this situation that I've, I've been in living in sin, but now I don't want to live in sin. But there's all these move, moving pieces. Mm-hmm. Okay, is there a desire there to move out of that sin, or, or am I just going to continue to give excuses? And I know that I harp a lot on on issues of like sex and uh-huh. stuff like that but that's because it's like the this is the this right. is the thing of our day and yeah. and here's what i'm fearful of especially when it comes to the topic of sex and this is what i think most people that would consider themselves christians but are not living in accordance with the scriptures on not sleeping with people that you're you're not married to um I think that this this is a major issue. Here, here's what they do. They, they say, well, eventually we're going to get married. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, on the day that we get married, then what we're doing will no longer be a sin, and then we'll just put that behind us. Well, here's the problem. If you don't seek to honor God in your life before you're married, you're not mm-hmm. going to honor him after you're married just mm-hmm. because that's gone, Right. What's happening is you're disobedient before you're married. You'll just find something else to be disobedient in mm-hmm. afterwards. So to say, well, that will just go away after we get married, that's not true. There's something not right when we're okay with sin in our life and just say, well, this will be, you know, oh, we got six months till the wedding, we'll get it taken care of. This is just not, this is not the way that people that are really saved behave. It's mm-hmm. I've got to take care of this sin. I've got to get whatever it takes. I've got to get... Out of it because it's not a marriage <laughs> issue; it's a sin issue. Mm-hmm. And if you've got a sin issue before you get married, you're going to have a sin issue after you get married. Still, so marriage can't be the the fix to your sex and lust problem. Mm-hmm. And so that's just one example of how this plays out. Like um we're looking for a way out of that, and it's like no, the way out is to stop sinning, mm-hmm. right? Like if you're a gossip, <laughs> like the the equivalent, I guess, would be, well, maybe you could just go live in a cabin in the woods by yourself. Then you would stop gossiping with people. <laughs> then you wouldn't have the option to do it anymore. Well, the problem is, even if you removed any ability for you to gossip, if you don't change the desire not to gossip, that sin will just manifest mm-hmm. itself in another way. Mm-hmm. So what we have to do is, if we're really followers of Jesus, is allow him to lead us out of our sin, whatever that is. Right, so if I harp on sex too much for you, well, I'm talking about all sin. If it's lying, ask Jesus to lead you away from the line. If it's cheating, if it's stealing, if it's an addiction of Mm -hmm. of some sorts, if it's getting drunk, if it's you know gossiping, if it's what comes out of your mouth, if it's pride in your heart, whatever it is, the true Christian wants to live in accordance with the will of the Father and will. I mean, when it comes to me, I am begging God to lead me away from the things that, that, that I don't have um, under control. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm not okay with it. Mm-hmm. And That's how I know that the Lord is working in my life. It's not because I'm perfect because I don't have struggles and that mm-hmm. I don't have temptations and sometimes um, give in to those temptations. It's because it drives me crazy when I fail mm-hmm. and I'm begging God every week to lead me away from these things that cause me so much pain. And so there's I can't look at someone else okay. and say whether or not they're saved or not. That's something that they have to answer. Uh-huh. But if they are okay with sin in their life, they're not grieved by their sin, they're not convicted by their uh-huh. sin, they're not seeking to change, they're not seeking to, to move away from that sin, they're probably not saved.
0: True. Good. So that leads into um, the aspect about discipleship and how you said that Christianity is not about how to make bad people good. It's about making dead people alive. And I think a lot of people, you even said that, like, they think that once you're saved and that's it, like, you should be good. Like, there's this radical, crazy thing. And maybe that happens for some people, but I haven't really ever seen it. But, like, they think that it's this, like, one and done And it's really a journey and a process. So how can we gauge kind of like where we are at in that journey? And I think like you kind of answered this some, but how do we keep continually moving in the right direction and, and know like how to reset or, you know, say okay. Here I am. Now, what's my next step? Because for somebody who's maybe been saved for a long time, has gotten baptized, who have, you know, maybe they're in a group, they're serving, they're doing all these things. Like, what would they have to like gauge? What's my next step? What's my yeah. process?
1: Um, honestly, I mean, we do need to see this life with Jesus as a lifelong process. So, one, the day that I got saved. There were certain things that I just never did again mm-hmm. um, I used to do drugs i i didn 't do any drugs after I got saved mm-hmm. never i just now i 'm not saying that 's even everyone 's story either right. at all i 'm not trying to say well that you got saved and then you never smoked pot ever again in your life i 'm just saying that 's my story mm-hmm. i didn't i didn 't have an issue completely walking away from that because I knew that it was wrong um but I didn't, I didn't struggle with fear mm-hmm. much in my life at that point, And now that's a consistent struggle for me. Mm-hmm. It's my doubt in God's ability to take care of me. And so there's still, it's just a new issue. Mm-hmm. Right. And so as soon as, okay, so I got the drug thing taken care of and I could have been like, well, and I think this is what most people do. They're like, oh, well, that's pretty good. I'm not doing drugs anymore. But it was like, okay, what's the next thing God wants to tackle? Mm-hmm. Right, I didn't. I I used to get drunk every single day, mm-hmm. um, for the most part. I didn't drink for like at least eight months right after I got saved, mm-hmm. and then when I tried to reintroduce that back into my life, I got drunk like three times. This was eight months after I got saved. Mm-hmm. It didn't. It didn't mean that I wasn't still a Christian. It was that was an issue in my life that I that was going to have to be addressed. Mm-hmm. Um, I for me, I couldn't allow that to go on. So, it, but I did. I sinned but I wasn't okay with it. So I let God lead me away from that. I don't, I don't get drunk. That's my thing. Like we're not going to get drunk. Um, You know, but like it's probably always been there, but like one of my big issues now is pride. How is God going to lead me away from pride or, Uh um, you know, another uh, insecurity? Insecurity, and I know most people will be like, "Oh, these just sound like some personality traits or like deficiency." No, these, for mm-hmm. me, these are the ways that that the enemy gets the best of me, and I fail God in these areas. Um, mm-hmm. It all surrounds um, that. But my 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 point is not like pat me on the back. I don't get drunk and do drugs anymore. It's what I struggled with eleven years ago, twelve years ago is not what I struggle with now. Mm-hmm. In in all cases, some of some of it is still the same. Mm-hmm. Right. So as a, you know, as a guy, I've struggled with some stuff my whole life mm-hmm. that is still an ongoing battle. Um, and so I don't want people to 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 hear a message like, well, you're not saved if you. Yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. This is this is that tension that pastors feel mm-hmm. of trying to tell you about the grace of God, but tell it to you in a way that you will use it and not abuse it. Right. Use the grace of God for your shortcomings and your failures, but don't abuse it as your license mm-hmm. to go out and do whatever you want. And so it, that, that's that part. I just cannot, we can't say for one person or another. So it has to be a process. And so if you're that person that you've been following the Lord for two decades now, three decades, you're like, Mm -hmm. well, where am I at? It's a deep, it's still going on though, Mm -hmm. right? You may have a handle on things that I wish that I had a handle on. And maybe Mm -hmm. I will when I'm your age. But I promise you, there's still stuff that you're struggling with when you're Mm -hmm. three decades into following Jesus. Mm -hmm. Some of it is, um, you know, I I think there's a lot of people that have been following Jesus for a long time, and this is a plague in the church, that you think when you hit 65 that you now have the license to go hit the beach for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. Well... The, the life of sacrifice and service to others doesn't stop just when your professional career comes to an end. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of people that are Christians that gave up the fight of, of doing you know ministry and you know all mm-hmm. of that because well, I'm retired now like no, that, that doesn't send you off into the sunset when you're 65 and God's like, all right, I'll see you in a couple years yeah. like no, not at all um i think you know so it can be different stuff it could be um as you get older maybe i don't know maybe you get more angry as you get older mm-hmm. m- more difficult to deal with maybe you have less control over your tongue all sorts of stuff, or maybe you have all of that, and then then God may want to lead you into a deeper surrender. So maybe it's not that you have an issue with giving, but now maybe He wants to begin to stretch you to give even more, mm-hmm. and give at, at rates that you didn't even think possible. So He He will take even your obedience, not just your disobedience. He will take even your obedience and stretch it. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, maybe you're reading, you know, like whatever it is, like. He could call you instead of to the beach whenever you retire. What if, what if he called you to Africa? You know, uh-huh. we've already talked about the need for missionaries, right? Yeah. Like he could take not just your disobedience and remove it, but he will take your obedience and deepen it as well. And that's why it's a process that takes a lifetime yeah. because sanctification or the process of being transformed, there's a taking away of certain things in our lives.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But there's also a adding to... Of the thing of the positive traits that God wants us to portray, and all of that is is, is happening um, as we follow Jesus. And the way that you know whether or not you're following Jesus is whether or not that's actually happening. Right. But if the only thing that is different about you now is that now I go to church and I read my Bible and I pray and I give and I serve and it's all very like church centric. It's not like, man, I'm begging God to remove the pride and lust in my heart. Mm -hmm. I'm begging God to make me not lash out and, you know, make social media posts like that or whatever Mm -hmm. it is. Like, if those things aren't present, then all you've done is adopt enough religious activity to lull yourself into a false sense of security. And you're going to be like the people in Matthew chapter 25 that get the worst surprise of their life. Yeah where they're like you know when he he separates the sheep and the goats and he's like sorry depart from me I didn't even know you right. and all these people are going to be like wow yeah I thought we were doing all this amazing stuff mm-hmm. and but I guess we weren't yeah and and so that, I mean for me that that just it's it's a very sobering reality and even mm-hmm. as a pastor it's one of those things this is one of those messages where I want to look at myself and just and, and honestly evaluate where i am at as well
0: yeah very good so it's a very personal journey i think in the unsaved christian i remember that quote where he said you know there are no grandparents god doesn't have or god doesn't have grandchildren and I think sometimes we can think that or feel like, you know, we can be OK based on those acts or the acts of our yeah. our parents or things. And it's not that way. So thank you, Pastor Scott. I appreciate you. Um, and next week, we're going to be taking a break from the series because we have a special guest coming and doing a Compassion Sunday with compassion international, but we're going to share some more about that and how um, you can take some practical next steps in your faith journey in regards to um, compassion and sponsoring kids and um, the message that we will hear from the guest speaker, but um, make sure that you tune in for that. And then we'll be right back into the, the, the series, not so blind faith in the following weeks. Thanks for tuning in to the extra Point. Be sure to subscribe to the Southridge Church Podcast and tune in every Wednesday for another episode of The Extra Point.